Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. And if I am in the right spot and it doesn't feel like the right spot, I know you know how to speak to my heart and to encourage me to weather the storm, to ride out the famine, ride out the famine. And that would be one application point I would encourage all of us, whether you're here, whether you're watching online or or listening to this many years down the road, whenever we get to Ruth, I don't know the radio schedule, but ride out the famine, okay? Don't go searching for greener grass somewhere else. Just ride it out. Have you ever felt as though you were in the wrong place at the wrong time? Or perhaps you've been in the right place, but something just didn't feel right? How did you find comfort or reassurance during those times? In today's message, Pastor James reflects on the importance of seeking out the Lord whenever you have feelings of doubt or uncertainty. In his study, you'll learn about the dangers of giving in to the grass is greener mentality and straying from where the Lord would have you. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Ruth, chapter 2, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Into the chapter two, we go. We know we have Ruth, we have Naomi, we know their story. Naomi's husband's passed away, Ruth's husband has passed away, Naomi's other son has passed away, that daughter in law stayed in Moab. Ruth and Naomi have made their way back to Bethlehem. And Naomi has has changed her own name. That's where we left off. She went from Naomi, which means pleasant. And she renamed herself Mara. She renamed herself Bitter, okay? Um, Now, you you can note that even if you just read back through chapter one and and all that good stuff, nobody calls her Mara. Nobody calls her Mara, okay? That may be how she refers to herself. That's the title she's placed upon herself, but nobody else was calling her Mara. They were all still calling her Naomi, Okay, it's like, I don't, it doesn't matter what you think about yourself. This is who you are. Okay, this is who you are. So we go through that story and and, in chapter two, kind of, it it gets us to this place where one, the bridge between one and two is that they arrived in Bethlehem in late spring. So probably March, April. Um, This is the barley harvest time period uh, at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now we go right into chapter two, verse one. Now, there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was the relative or was a relative of Naomi's husband, uh, Elimelech, okay? One day, Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go into the harvest fields and pick up some stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened... As just so happens, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. All right, let's talk about Boaz. Um, Two interesting facts about Boaz. There's probably more, but these are two that I found. Uh, His name means um, quickness, or there's another term for that. Um, I'm not sure where, I can't think of what it is. 
Fleetness. Fleetness, I think, is what it is. Yes, fleetness. Fleetness and quickness. That's his name, okay? So that's what his parents named him. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Fleetness or quickness. Now, why did they name him that? Was that like a prophetic? They thought, like, this guy's going to be a track star? I don't know. Maybe he just came out really fast, right? And they're like, whoa, fleetness. Like, whoa, quickness. There he is. That's, that's your name, Boaz, okay? We don't know. Um, but we do know this. Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, he's the son of Rahab. He's the son of Rahab. Like, that's pretty major. That's pretty incredible, okay? So if you're tracking through the genealogy, wait, so who was Rahab? Well, was she not the prostitute in Jericho that was saved, her and her family, from the destruction of Jericho? And she found her way through the grace of God into the genealogy of Jesus. Well, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty crazy. And then here's Boaz continuing on that line. And then Boaz gets to marry Ruth. Spoiler alert. He marries Ruth, and Ruth is included within that genealogy as well. It's amazing. Like, it's, it's, it's a cool story. I think understanding that will help us to really kind of appreciate the character of Boaz. This is, a, this is a guy that I think all, all Christian men should, should want to be like Boaz. All, I mean, if Christian men have a, and, and pl- and trust me, there are plenty, plenty to choose from from the Old Testament as far as heroes, I think, or guys to look up to or, or want to model your life after. The one who gets neglected the most, I believe, is Boaz. But he probably is the one who deserves to be emulated the most. Like, he's a good dude. He's just a good guy. Not what well, he, he was never king. He didn't need to be king. He didn't need to be a king. That didn't matter. Well, he wasn't a prophet. Doesn't matter. He wasn't a priest. Who cares? He's just a farmer. Yeah, right. Exactly. He's a hardworking guy who had great character. And here's the family that he comes from. It's incredible. So we jump back into the story. So we get a little heads up concerning Boaz. And Ruth goes out, and, and she, she is un- understanding of what the rule was in Israel, OK? So if you have a widow, or you have individuals who are not able to, maybe the husband dies. The husband passes away, and, and you're left all alone on your own. Maybe there's a divorce that happens. Your husband just ups and leaves you. Well, how are you going to take care of yourself and and all this good stuff? Well, the law had already accounted for this, okay? There's a cross-reference in Leviticus. uh, Leviticus 19, 9 through 10 says this, when you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your field um, and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every last branch of grapes from the vines and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 19, 9 through 10. See, the law had already accounted for this. This is somewhat of the welfare system in Israel. And this is a brilliant plan. It makes a lot of sense. So there's Naomi. There's Ruth. Ruth is aware of this law. She's aware of, you know, what has been uh, made available to her and Naomi in their situation. But here's the thing. It takes action. It takes activity. It, it takes a step. 
Well, somebody's got to go to the fields. Yes, the food is there. Yes, it's been allowed for you. Yes, you can freely partake of it, but you have to go get it. I love it. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. And, you know, there's nothing to say. Naomi could have joined in Ruth. There's nothing to say that she couldn't have. But Ruth was like, I'll go get the food. I'll go get the food. That's a brilliant plan. That's a great one. If you can get up and if you can go to the field, go, go. Right? It would have been a whole nother story. And Boaz, this thing, this whole thing may have been turned in a whole different direction if Ruth and Naomi are just sitting around lounging in the house saying like, hey, who's going to bring me this food? No, no, no. You go get it. Well, no, but you don't understand. I said, no, no, no. Can you get up and go get it? Then go get it. Yeah, that's, that's how it should be. That's how it should be. If you're not able to physically, well, then somebody can probably help you out. That was another part of this. If they couldn't physically go and do it, well, there was, there was allowances that, were, that was put into place for some of that stuff, too. Neighbors would take care of neighbors. People would take care of people. But there was no, like, you just sit around and people did everything for you. That's nonsense. If you can get up and you can go to the field, well, then what are you doing? Go, go do it, right? I think America learn, could learn a lot from this lesson. We got a broke system. We got a really broke system. And I don't have any good ideas um, because that's not my field. But I do know this. Um, the reason this law was put into place, here's the brilliance of it. You, you ingrain a sense of pride in these individuals. They don't feel worthless. You always hand out and you always give, and you always give, there's no pride in going out and accomplishing something. This is why we love gum, Galveston and Urban Ministries, because they're continually training their people up. And that when they do the Christmas store, everything is for sale. They don't give anything away. Why? Because those parents, and we've heard Josh talk about this before when he spoke, those parents, there's a sense of pride knowing that, man, I bought this. It's a discounted rate. But I bought this for my kids. There's a sense of accomplishment that goes along with that. And that's what we want. That's why this rule existed. And so that people can go there not feeling worthless, not feeling you know, like a burden. No, they can get out there and they can feel good about themselves because they worked for their food. They picked it up. They brought it home. And they separate the wheat from the chaff and all that good stuff. They did it all on their own. It's a brilliant plan. It's a great plan. So I was studying through this. I'm reading this cross-reference and all that. And, I was, and I, I was just immediately reminded of what our friends are doing over there at GUM. I mean, they're investing in people and just trying to train them up and, and get them this sense of just pride and just accomplishment of like, and they have a grocery store now. And it's like, no, go buy your own groceries. Go do that. Go provide for your family. It's a discount. I mean, yes, it may, it may not be full price, but hey, that's a blessing. That's cool, right? But I, I love this. The Lord had already put this into place. And here's Ruth. She, she knows about this. And so she's like, I'm going to go get food. And Naomi's like, go on ahead. Go for it. And it just so happens, right? This is found back in, um, 
back in verse, uh, verse 3 there, it just so happens. I, I hope you understand um, that there are no coincidences, right? There, there's no, like, it just so happened. No, she ended up in the field, the first, more than likely, the very first field she came to, there's a reason she ended up in that field. That's where God wanted her to be. He has this, 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 this divine um, arrangement already kind of working out, okay? She's going to be working in this field on the very day. Now, Boaz um, more than likely visits his, his fields more than, you know, just once, you know, once a week or anything like that. But it just, it's funny that she ends up in that field more than likely the very first field she comes across happens to be Boaz's field. Here's another little side note. Boaz and Elimelech are related from the same family. And more than likely, they're from a family of um, somewhat of, you know, prestige because they have, they own land. Like, it's not just like Boaz's land and now he may be the sole owner of this land or whatever, but more than likely it was kind of a family dynamic. So the famine hits, Boaz doesn't run to Moab. Boaz stayed in Bethlehem. Things got tough. Boaz just rode out the storm. Elimelech took off. When the tough gets going, you know, then he's like, oh, I'm out of here. There's no more bread in the house of bread. So it's, it's just fascinating because what we know is when, at the end of chapter one, when Naomi came back, everybody was still there and they all survived. They all, they all survived the famine. So it's, it's one of those things that has you thinking like, well, should they have ever left to begin with? Maybe not. Well, then how will we have gotten to Ruth? Well, here's what I know. God knows how to get Ruth to Bethlehem. He knows how to do that. I'm not going to speculate or anything like that. I just, I, I do find it interesting that from what we know, there was one family that left. There was one family that left, and only a quarter of that family essentially returned, plus Ruth, okay? I don't know math that well, so I don't know what that percentage is, a fraction or anything, so I'm not even going to try. You can figure it out. But Naomi, her husband, and her two sons went to Moab, and Naomi returned with Ruth. Was she right? Should they have left? Should they have not? Should I have done this? Should I have left? Should I have not? Listen, she's committed to the Lord. And say, Lord, um, I'm just going to trust you. That even if I am in the wrong spot, you know how to speak to my heart and get me to where I need to be. And if I am in the right spot and it doesn't feel like the right spot, I know you know how to speak to my heart and to encourage me to weather the storm, to ride out the famine, ride out the famine. And that would be one application point I would encourage all of us, whether you're here, whether you're watching online or, or listening to this, Many years down the road, whenever we get to Ruth, I don't know the radio schedule, but ride out the famine, okay? Don't go searching for greener grass somewhere else. Just ride it out, okay? So Boaz, uh, he's going to visit his field, and we're going to start to get a little, um, some glimpses into his character, all right? So look at verse 4. While she was there, Ruth, um, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, so obviously his field and land is outside of Bethlehem. Um, so he arrives from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. And the harvesters replied, the Lord bless you. 
This is an insight into the character of Boaz, a good guy and a great boss. What we can walk away from with this is is this. Um, Anytime he showed up on the job site, he greeted these guys this way. And it's almost like a, a blessing. He's pronouncing like a blessing on all his workers, right? The Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. And they loved him because if they didn't love him, they wouldn't have responded back with this. Okay, and they're not just like sucking up to the boss, right? Like, that's not what they're doing. You can tell that with, even within the language itself, that this is like a, just a, a natural response from the heart. The Lord bless you. Hey, the Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. It's a great, great little dynamic that's happening there within the fields. Boaz was a good guy. He just was a good guy. He was a great boss. He knew, you can just tell, he knew how to take care of his employees. And it's amazing. And he's there with them. And not only is he just there with them, he's not there to just kind of show up and make sure they're not like, you know, goofing around or anything like that. He's going to spend the day with these guys. He's like with them. What's funny is, uh, you know, he's going through this normal probably routine for him. Hey, Lord be with you guys. Hey, Boaz, the Lord bless you and all that stuff. He's got his, you know, thermos of coffee and all that good stuff and just checking out things. And he's like, whoa, hold on. Whoa, 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 man, right? Whoa, man, okay? There is somebody new in my field. He immediately notices Ruth, immediately. So she's there. So Boaz asks his foreman, verse 5, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? He's like, hey, uh, he's like, they're like passing notes in class, right? This is kind of like, this is the thing. It's so innocent. It's just so innocent. He's like, hey, so uh, what's the scoop on that girl? Who's, is, she, is, she, is she married? Is she attached? Does she show up with anybody? You know, what's, what's the deal with her? Now we get an insight into the character of Ruth. The foreman... So boss, boss man, when the boss man's not there, right? The foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. This is amazing because of the simple fact Ruth shows up, and she has the legal right to go into any field she wants to and pick up grain from any field that she wants to. She does not have to ask permission. She legally has the right to go and collect grain. But that's not who she is. She is, I believe, divinely led to this field, and she sees the foreman, and she approaches the foreman. It's never told of this. You know, she, you know, we don't have her saying, like, yeah, I made sure I asked him. Or this is the foreman bragging about Ruth. He's like, yeah, she showed up, and she asked me if she could gather grain. Like, who does that? Nobody does that. We're used to them just showing up and demanding grain, right? Like, give me my free grain. He's like, no, she actually showed up and she asked if it was okay if she picked up grain from your field. Just highlighting just the character, just the character of Ruth and the respectfulness of Ruth. 
She's been at heart. She's been hard at work ever since. She takes a few breaks here and there because she's, you know, you work smarter, not harder, right? Like you get, you remember, I mean, this is kind of a, you know, right at this point in time within that, that time of the year, I mean, the weather's pretty nice, but it can get, it can get warm. And so she takes a break here and there, but she's a hard worker. She's probably putting everybody else to shame. And Boaz is taking notice of this. Verse 8, Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Do not go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are, or they are harvesting, and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. So here's Boaz. He hears this report. He goes and he talks to Ruth and he's like, hey, listen, Ruth, um, you are perfectly fine to stay right where you're at. And he doesn't just like, I mean, for anybody else that had shown up, he may have just been like, okay, well, hey, that's cool. Um, So I'm just going to go take care of some other business and I got some paperwork I got to do and all that good stuff. No, he's like, I've got a personal invested interest in this lady. And now I have an open door to go and talk to her. Um, And so he's going to take advantage of that. And he's like, hey, Ruth. Hey, how's it going? Name's Boaz. I own this field, right? Like, you are more than welcome to stay here. In fact, I don't want you going anywhere else. Please stay here. Please, you you just made my day a whole lot easier and a whole lot better, right? Like, he's like, stay here. Follow the young ladies. He's like, I've already talked to all these young guys. I've already talked to all these knuckleheads, and I said, listen, keep your distance. Don't mess with Ruth. Don't you mess with her. So she has protection. She's been invited in. She gets to, uh, and he even offers to her to share in the water that, that they draw up. Like, this is, these are big deals. And it's going to get even more, you know, his, his hospitality is just going to increase even more so. So she, her response to him, and she fell at his feet. She thanked him warmly. And she says, what have I done to deserve such kindness? I'm only a foreigner. Boaz says, yes, I know. But I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law, Naomi, since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. So he, he recounts to her what, what everybody else has been noticing about her uh, and the, the story that, you know, she doesn't have to say anything. And that's the thing. That's the thing about character. You don't have to go and prove to people through your talk of the character that you have, it'll come out and people will take note of that. And so he's like, listen, I've heard the story. And the reason why I'm being overly generous to you is because I respect what you've done. And this, this is what's beauty, beautiful about this. The law said this, and Boaz comes along and he goes above and beyond what the law says. Welcome to grace, Right? That's grace. Boaz Boaz is like, I know what the law says. But I'm going to go one step beyond that. You you can pick up the grain. You can help yourself to all the grain that you want. But I'll take it even further. Help yourself to the water. 
enjoy complete protection and safety when you're in my field. That's all the time we have for today on Bread for the Broken. We're so glad that you joined us as Pastor James Grizzle teaches through the book of Ruth. Even though Ruth was written long ago, it's still incredible to see how God has worked through the lives of so many people, even thousands of years ago. What hope that should give you! God never stops working, even when you don't understand what He's doing. What a great example we can learn from! No matter where you come from or who you were in the past, you can be redeemed to bring God glory. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more verse-by-verse teachings from Pastor James, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the Teachings tab. While you're visiting breadforthebroken.com, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind this ministry. Calvary Galveston is a church of ordinary people striving to love and live just as Jesus did. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you visit. Or if you're looking for a new church home, you're always welcome. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for worship and studying the Bible. Our atmosphere is pretty relaxed, so feel free to just come as you are. All the information you need is at breadforthebroken.com. We'd love to connect with you too, so drop us a note in the contact form to let us know how we can be praying for you. Our website, one more time, is breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for tuning in today to Pastor James's teaching on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of the